G'day, it's Phil Edwards, Vision CEO here, with a quick invitation to become part of this amazing beacon of hope called Vision. Together we can put our love into action to help people of all kinds build or rebuild their lives on the truth of God. Please consider the part you can play during our upcoming Visionathon appeal, remembering that it's your support that makes Vision possible, including this podcast. Life, Culture and Current Events from a Biblical Perspective, 2020 on Vision. Some more today on the issue of growing intolerance in Australia for the Christian position on social issues that our nation is facing. But an example of what appears to be developing on Australian university campuses is what's happening in the US in one of the most significant universities there, the Princeton University. Babette Francis from Endeavour Forum is back with us today talking through some of these issues. Hello, Babette Francis. Welcome back to 2020. Hello, Neil. Nice to be on your program again. Babette, let's talk about this growing intolerance. Uh, We're seeing examples not only here in Australia, but uh, in the one that uh, caught our attention for today's conversation uh, in universities in the United States. You've been monitoring along these things. What have you seen that's happened in the US that is happening here? Uh, It's exactly the same, but uh, Neil, I want to make it clear this is not a new strategy, and it's not just on university campuses. It's by the what I call the collective left. They're determined that um, conservative, Christian, pro-life, pro-family groups and individuals, those who support traditional marriage between a man and a woman, should not be given an opportunity to speak publicly. Uh, or even privately, according to uh, Gillian Triggs of the <laughs> Australian Human Rights Commission. You know, she even objects to what we might be saying around the kitchen table, apparently. Um, it's just a, a strategy to shut us up, to deprive us of uh, free speech. And I became painfully aware of this back in 2014 when I organized a, a regional event of the World Congress of Families, Our booking at two hotels and two uh, Catholic parish halls had to be cancelled because of threats to the venues. And uh, it was, you know, tremendously difficult because I had 400 registrants coming to the the event and no venue, you know, 48 hours before the the event. And eventually I was able to find a safe venue that had a, a steel mesh fence around it. But we should not be reduced to such... Uh, desperate strategies. There should be some um, civil um, mechanism for, short of calling in the army, some police mechanism for stopping these kinds of uh, threats to uh, conservative speakers and conservative meetings. Babette, at what point do you draw a line? Because uh, when there's a battle of words, uh, we're all in that battle very frequently. But when it becomes intimidation, uh, when it comes to threats of violence, is that where you draw the line? It's not just threats of violence. It's threats of uh, disobeying the civil law and interrupting uh, meetings. I've got, got no objection to protesters standing silently outside a venue and holding up signs or even... Uh, speaking or handing out leaflets to those who are going in. That's okay. That's within uh, the civil law. But when they uh, threaten to disrupt the meeting, as they've done recently, say, in regard to uh, Ayan Hirsi Ali's uh, proposed visit to Australia, then that's, uh, to me, that's sort of on the borderline of breaking the law. And I think they should be stopped. And I think governments should 
um, interfere at that stage and uh, just to protect our rights to freedom of speech, no matter what the issue is. Let's come back to the university campuses because the issue that caught our eye uh, was what was going on at Princeton University where there'd been a number of incidents where uh, there were people who were being intimidated and threatened with violence and uh, even threatened to withdraw awards as was in the case of Tim Keller, the founder of the Redeemer Presbyterian Church in New York. Uh, I think also there's another um, a meeting that had to be cancelled, Charles Murray. I think where he was going to speak, that venue was threatened. Um, the situation is very unhealthy because on the one hand, uh, university students act like what is now labelled snowflakes, that they're likely to uh, melt and uh, uh, become incapacitated at anything that um, offends or hurts them. You know, in speech I'm talking about, uh, and they require all sorts of trigger warnings before you say something that uh, that might upset them emotionally or psychologically. But on the other hand, when uh, they, they become very strong and ferocious and intimidating when there is any plan to bring a a conservative speaker, a pro-life speaker or a pro-marriage speaker onto the campus. They become suddenly become very uh, strong and powerful and threaten to disrupt the meeting. So it's quite inconsistent, but it is a very frightening situation because of all the places where free speech should be enshrined, it's on university campuses where we're uh, training and educating the minds of the, of the future citizens. Uh, of, of students, young people, and this is a, a very uh, frightening development. And uh, I, I, I don't think the conservative side should give in to it at all. They should demand police protection to carry on with their meeting or the speech or whatever it is. Babette, are we at a point where there are two sides to a debate and both sides have stopped listening to one another? What are your thoughts on listening? Well, our side is certainly listening to the other side because we try to deal with all their arguments in a in an academic and professional way. But the other side is simply not listening to us, and they just condemn whatever we say, not for not only for its content, but who is saying it. There's a whole sort of new drama of what's called identity politics. If you're a heterosexual white male, then what you say is of no value because it comes from a position of patriarchy, of heteronormatism, and you're, you're really not entitled to say it. In fact, you're barely entitled to exist. Uh, all the uh, virtuous identities are on the other side of the fence. They're, they're colored, that means skin colored in one way or another. They're female, or, and they're certainly not heterosexual. Uh, it's a whole new game of charade of identity politics where it's not what you say, but who you are, as well as what you say that is either condemned or applauded. Uh, Coming back to the Princeton uh, controversies, because there's some solution that's being sought there where there are professors uh, on both sides of the arguments, whether they are conservative or progressive, uh, but professors on both sides who are signing up to say uh, we need to be more tolerant of one another. Does this sort of uh, listening, and particularly in the university campus context, does it start with people who are leading those institutions? Uh, I'm not sure I'm aware of this. Uh, I think in general the university authorities have rather given in to the collective left. I don't think they've done very much 
to protect the rights of free speech on campuses, and that is a worrying development. I'm not really aware of any movement, to, uh, substantial movement, to say that we should listen to each other politely. The last effort I heard about was when uh, Tim Wilson uh, and um, Andrew Hasty were having a discussion about same-sex marriage and, uh, you know, sharing a, a bottle of beer, a glass of beer or something, and that finished up in uh, controversy and the beer company was uh, targeted and so on. So I'm not really aware of any move for tolerance on the university campuses. If you say it's happening, I certainly think that's a good development, and I look forward to the chancellors and vice-chancellors of universities to promote this, uh, this new concept of tolerance and politely listening to one another. Uh, Babette, is there a recipe for the way forward? Is there, in fact, something positive uh, that might be happening because the debate becomes so much more robust? Is this causing people who have a uh, conservative Christian opinion on issues today, is it causing them to sharpen their ability to be able to argue, sharpen their ability to be able to understand what they really do believe themselves and to be able to present that point well? Well, it's certainly sharpening up our ability because we're confronted with um, opposition, uh, violent or non-violent. So we have to uh, sharpen up our arguments and sometimes get them into 30-second sound bites. You know, it's certainly um, an exercise in mental gymnastics. But we shouldn't have to be doing this. We should be able to present reasoned arguments that people can listen to uh, quietly and either decide to agree or disagree or debate the issue. You know, the whole concept of debate as being um, civilized debate is just being abandoned. You know, debate used to be like a form of, um, uh, as opposed to warfare, you know, where you started shooting at one another. Debate was supposed to be a polite uh, way of resolving differences. And that's no longer the case because of the, the collective left seems to think that people on our side of the fence uh, really have no uh, right, not only not to debate, but even to exist. And it's, it's, it's really quite weird. Uh, when we are Christians in the debate, uh, there does appear to be uh, this idea that Christians usually stay calm and uh, try to keep on point. Uh, the other side tends to want to shout down, intimidate and silence uh, the debate. And, of course, you've seen those uh, times too when a Christian has been on a panel and the discussion has gone so far to to, to want to see that Christian just uh, continue to make their point while others are actually uh, firing insult and firing name-calling. Uh, this is the sort of thing, I suppose, is is a lesson to be learned that we need to be able to... Uh, speak clearly and to get our point across, even though there are those that would try and silence us? Yes, the problem is that a lot of um, universities and other venues have just cancelled meetings where um, a, a Christian or pro-life or pro-marriage uh, speakers are scheduled to speak because they're, they've become afraid of the uh, the violence of the protests that will erupt on their campuses. And this is a grave mistake because it's uh, degrading the role of a university and it's, um, uh, it's gradually de degrading our rights to free speech. You know, the left seem to think that um, uh, this is a tactic that's going to win, their, win them the, the political battles, but in the end it will redound on their own heads because, you know, one of the weird things that is happening is that there is an unholy alliance between the left the political left and uh, radical Islam. 
And of course, Islam is uh, basically opposed to free speech and uh, opposed to a lot of things the left stands for, for example, same-sex marriage. So it's a very unholy alliance, and it's going to come undone at some stage. You know, either Islam will win and will silence the left, because Islam really doesn't belong on the left side of politics, uh, and, and the left will then lose their ability to promote, uh, you know, LGBTQI um, rights and, and all the other uh, favorite uh, policies that they uh, lobby for. It's an interesting point you raise where you say that on university campuses, it's not the Christians that the leading authorities are afraid of. It's the backlash that will come if the Christians are allowed to speak. It's uh, something that perhaps needs to be more deeply understood because that is an appeasement to the violent left, isn't it? Uh, Absolutely. I think if the universities uh, don't have enough uh, campus police to maintain order, they should um, second some from other university campuses or even from the uh, local police force. But I think they have to insist that order be maintained, that um, any uh, legal meeting should be allowed to go on. They should simply not give in to intimidation because in in the end, someone who gives in to intimidation uh, will lose their own rights to free speech. You've heard that famous saying about the Nazi regime, you know, first they came for the Jews, then they came for the communists, and they came for the uh, socialists, and then they came for me, and there was nobody left to uh, speak up on my behalf, you know. And that's very true. If you keep silencing people who want to express a point of view, um, ultimately, you will lose your own right to free speech. There's no end to it, you know, because Uh, the uh, collective left and certainly Islamists can never be appeased. Well, Babette Francis, always good getting your insights into issues that confront our nation. And uh, Babette, I'll point people to the Endeavour Forum website. Simply Google Endeavour Forum or Babette Francis uh, for some of the resources and thoughts that are available on a number of the issues that we are facing as a nation today. Babette, thanks for being with us today on 2020. Thank you very much, Neil. Uh, Love talking to you. Before you go, thanks for listening. There's lots more great audio on demand, or you can listen to us live at visionradio.org.au. And remember, Vision is listener-supported. Your donation, large or small, will help us continue connecting faith to life for hundreds of thousands of people across Australia and around the world. Learn more or donate today at visionradio.org.au.